You're listening to episode 48 of Chat About Children with Sonia Bestelich. Let's chat. Discover children at a whole new level. Be empowered to grow with the children in your life. Welcome to Chat About Children with Sonia Bestelich. Hi there and welcome to Chat About Children, where we chat about all things children and empower you to grow with the children in your life. Today, I am having a very interesting chat about Generation Alpha. If you don't know too much about who they are and what they're about, you are going to find out. Today's episode is really about understanding this generation. What are their characteristics? And I guess having more of a discussion about the context that they're growing up in and what the future looks like for them. What are the skills that they need to have to be able to thrive in a very fast changing world? So how about we just get the chat started with my guest, Ashley Fell. Joining me today is Ashley Fell. She is a social researcher, author, and TEDx speaker and director of communications at the internationally recognized McCrindle Research Company. From topics including future trends, business insights, leadership, and communication skills, Ashley delivers over 50 visually engaging, tailored, and research-based presentations annually for corporate, government, and not-for-profit clients in Australia and overseas. As a generational expert, Ashley's expertise is in training and equipping leaders and teams on how to lead across generational divides, particularly Gen Y, popularly known as Millennials, Gen Z, and now the newest generation, Generation Alpha. Ashley, welcome to Chat About Children. Thank you, Sonia. Thanks for having me on the podcast. We have a lot to learn from you, no doubt, and I'm sure that some of what you're going to talk about today, a lot of us will be thinking, oh, yes, I've noticed that in my household, or I've noticed that with the kids that I work with. So I think it's going to be quite a fascinating conversation about Generation Alpha, a bit of our future picture, if you like. But before we launch into that, Ashley, tell us just a little bit about you, and I'm curious about what led you into what you're doing now. Yeah, so I work for a company called McCrindle Research, as you mentioned in the intro there, and we are a Sydney-based research communications agency, a bit of a boutique research agency. So we do a lot of the standard research and employ and and use methodologies like surveys and focus groups, in-depth interviews, but we're also really passionate about communicating those research insights in really innovative and interesting and fun ways. So that's why we sort of call ourselves a communications agency as well. We've got in-house design capacity. We do a lot of infographics and animated videos all about the trends and the research that we do. And my role here as the communications director is to play a key part in helping that research see the light of day. And that's a lot of my role prior to COVID was to go out and present at conferences. Now a lot of that's done through Zoom and virtual events and webinars. And really a passion of ours is to talk about particularly the generations. We love that topic. And for me, my background in academics is in a topic called social inquiry. So communication stream at uni, I did that subject. And it's all about being curious about the world and the study of human behavior. And it's been fascinating over the last few months, particularly to be a specialist in that area and to survey and observe society and the changes that we're experiencing. And I have a real passion about the different generations and understanding them as well. So it's definitely a great fit to be working at a company like McCrindle to understand the changes and help organizations understand the changes and, and of course, the different generations as well. 
Absolutely wonderful. And look, it is a fascinating area, no doubt. You'd be learning something new, I'd say, almost every day. So that would definitely keep you stimulated and interested. So tell us, who is Generation Alpha? So Generation Alpha, they are those born since the year 2010, which makes the oldest of them 10 years old in 2020. And the generational years that they'll span from 2010 to 2024, because a generation is 15 years in length. So they're our children of today. They're the children of the millennials, those sort of in their late 20s and and 30s, those parents of today. They're the younger siblings to Generation Z, so those aged between 11 and 25, and they'll be the older siblings to Generation Beta, so those who'll be born since 2025, if you're keeping up with all those years there. So effectively, our children of today, our babies of today, the youngest of them haven't even finished being born yet. And our founder, Mark McCrindle of McCrindle Research, he is attributed with naming them that generation. So he does a lot of generational research and McCrindle's done a lot of generational research for a number of years. And he wrote a book called The ABC of XYZ about 10 to 15 years ago. And in that research for that book, he realized nobody had actually given a name to the next generation. So he did what we do as researchers. He conducted a survey of society and he said, what do you think the next generation should be called? And a lot of people said, as you would expect, oh, Generation A, because we've come to the end of the alphabet with Generation Z. But what Mark thought was, let's move to the Greek alphabet to signify this whole new world in which this generation will be shaped. So they're the first generation to be fully born in the 21st century. They began being born the same year that the first iPad was released, the same year that Instagram was launched. So these apps and these transformative social media platforms is all they they will ever know. They won't remember a world before the iPad existed. Most of us here listening today remember a time before that technology platform and device was in our lives. So yeah, that's a little bit about the origin of that name and who Generation Alpha are in terms of the years and how we define them. Yeah, that's interesting to kind of go back that step to tell us about how the generation was even named, because sometimes you don't actually stop to think about, well, actually, where did that come from? So thank you. That's really enlightening. So look, why research Generation Alpha? Why do we need to study them and research them? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's fascinating for us. I mean, we do a lot of generational analysis of all the generations. And Oftentimes there is, even today, still quite a focus on Gen Z, those aged 11 to 25, because the oldest of them reaching, well, they've already reached adulthood, they're, they're already in their mid-20s, they're in our, in our schools and our, they're coming into our workplace. And I think the work part is really interesting. We do a lot of consulting and helping organisations understand the emerging generations, particularly Gen Z, as they come into the workforce. But over the last probably two or three years, because we've been talking and researching as much as we can about Gen Alpha for a while now, even though the youngest, they're quite young, they're aged under 10. But now what we've observed is that the world is sort of starting to perk up and and think about Gen Alpha because the oldest of them over the next decade will reach adulthood. They're not just the babies. The oldest of them are 10. So they're in our primary schools. Before long, they'll be in our high schools or our secondary schools. And I think for us, you know, it's not definitely doesn't come from a place of let's just understand Generation Alpha as the future consumer and know how to market to them. But it's more from a point of these young people, they're growing up in a really different world. And it's important if organizations want to not only exist in a decade's time, but thrive and flourish, that they understand 
who this emerging generation are and the future they'll be shaped in and contribute to. And for us, the generational aspect is a part of understanding the demographics of our world that's really important. So we think about, you know, the future and it's often artificial intelligence, robotics, digital disruption, but oftentimes people don't think about the generational diversity and we're going to have more generations mixing in our workplaces, in our communities, and they've all been shaped in really different times. So thriving communities, thriving workplaces is really important to understand the different generations. And of course, that's really pertinent to those working with young people, working in childcare or education, or of course, parenting and leading this next generation. So we're really passionate about helping organisations understand those shifts. And I love that quote from Stephen Covey, who said, seek first to understand, then to be understood. So it's important that we do understand this world that this next generation are being shaped in before we expect them to understand us and engage with us. So that's sort of why we think it's really important for organisations to understand and know a fair bit about Gen Alpha. Absolutely. And I think, you know, you touch on or use the word organisations, Ashley, and I think within that umbrella, it's probably important to highlight that that also includes educational organisations as well. So you kind of talk about community, workplace, and within that or the bridge between that is educational industry, I guess, if you like. So you will touch on that a little bit more because there's certainly a lot of the work you do does contribute to shaping, I guess, education. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. How would you define some of the key Gen Alpha characteristics? So we often use five key words to describe Generation Alpha and the the key characteristics that define them based on the context and the world in which they're being shaped. So the first is the word digital. You know, we're living in the great screen age. They're engaging with digital platforms. We call them digital integrators. They're just used to integrating that seamlessly into their lives from a really young age. I think everyone, almost every generation is digital, but, you know, the fact that this generation are being children and they'll only ever know this world of digital technology really defines them. So that's the first characteristic. The second characteristic, which quite heavily links to digital, is the fact that they're increasingly global. Mm. And we're seeing this, I think, over the last few months with a global pandemic, that this pandemic is really going to shape Generation Alpha in unique ways. But even their response to it, and you look at the platforms that they're using or the, the social media platforms like TikTok, where they're creating dances and short, funny videos and content, and they can engage with kids all over the world who are going through a very similar pandemic and they can experience really similar things. You know, maybe 30 or 40 years ago, there were really key differences between young people in different parts around the world, in different geographies, because there was unique circumstances and context that shaped them. But now we're in a global digital online culture. So for many Gen Alphas in Australia, they're very similar in characteristic to Gen Alphas all over the world. The pop culture, the the trends, the music, the celebrities, they all are very similar because of, again, the digital and the online world. So they're global. So first digital, second global. The third characteristic is mobile. So this emerging generation we predict is going to have more jobs across their lifetime. A school leaver today, so an 18-year-old, is predicted to have 18 jobs across six careers. So we expect that will continue to to increase for Gen Alpha as the world of work changes and they they move homes and jobs and and even where and when they can work will be more mobile and we've seen that really 
transformation from COVID. We're all working from home and the accessibility of that. So mobile. The fourth characteristic we say and use to describe them is visual. So we often have this saying, the number one search engine for Generation Alpha is no longer Google, it's YouTube, because why would they read it when they can watch it? And I'm sure many parents, I've, I've sat in focus groups with parents, many parents over the last few years, and I, I talk about that concept in YouTube. They're like, yep, my children, they're always on YouTube. They love the visual, the, the video storytelling aspect. And so that's the fourth characteristic. And the final and the fifth characteristic we use is social. And I think it's a lot of the time, if you're a parent of different generations, you might go, but aren't all young people, aren't all teenagers or tweens, those sort of eight to 12 year olds social just in that life stage? And yes, that's part of it. But also the fact that this emerging generation are now growing up on social media platforms, the, the social world that influences and impacts them is larger because of these online platforms and social media platforms and, and the internet. So they're some of the key words and characteristics in summary. So digital, global, mobile, visual, and social that we use to describe Gen Alpha. Wow. Yeah, that's huge. And there's so much within that, you know, without trying to be overwhelmed by that. But a part of me is just going, it almost seems overwhelming for a Gen Alpha kids, <laughs> you know. It's just huge. And I think a lot of these things, particularly when you talk about global and, you know, those kind of big picture things, it's so hard for, I think anyway, it can be so hard for them to fathom that, uh, really process and understand it. And I guess, look, that's part of, that's another topic where, you know, every individual and every family will set, you know, I guess their own definitions and boundaries around how they launch into those aspects with their Gen Alpha children. But yeah, look, there's that element of overwhelm and, and I think anyway, that is out there for parents and even for educators in trying to keep up with all those five characteristics and those five areas because it just seems to move so fast. But tell me, you mentioned something in there about COVID and you know how it will shape Generation Alpha. How do you think, think it's going to shape Generation Alpha? Yeah, it's fascinating to think about COVID and, I mean, it's shaping all of us. It's just no one's been immune or exempt from this global pandemic, but we definitely believe that this big life event, this global pandemic, is really going to shape Gen Alpha in unique ways. In the same way that the moon landing, the stock market crash, the GFC, 9-11, all these big social, significant social events in our world shape different generations in different ways, depending the age that they were when these things happened. So we often say the age at which we're exposed to a transformative event determines how embedded it will be in our psyche. So we're talking about Gen Alpha, the youngest are still babies, of course, the youngest when they're all born, haven't even finished being born yet in 2020, but the oldest are 10 and they're aware of what's going on. Their schools were shut down. They couldn't see grandma and grandpa. They knew we had to stay away from other people. They knew that we couldn't go to the park, even though they may not have known exactly or grasped why that was. It was funny. I mean, I'm not a parent of any Gen Alphas yet. I don't have any children yet, hopefully one day, but I'm a proud aunt to four of them. Wonderful. I love spending time with them. It's fascinating to research them from the theoretical perspective and then hang out with them on the weekends. And I remember when some of the restrictions were lifted, I was with my niece, Sage, and she's just turned five. And I said, are you excited about going back to preschool? She's like, yeah, because the coronavirus is going away. You know, they know that they're picking up these little sponges, these yeah. kids. 
they're picking up what's being said. And so even in the, the research, we asked this question of Australians recently in this survey we ran, a national survey, and we said, how big of an impact do you think um, COVID's going to have on the next generation? And 84%, so more than four in five Australian adults, think that generate that COVID is going to significantly shape Gen Alpha. And we explored some of that in more detail and we found 90% of Australians believe this experience will cause technology and screens to become more integrated into their life. The second biggest impact, 86% of Australians think the children of today will expect more flexible working conditions, having seen mum and dad work from home for that extended period of time. Australians also believe education will be delivered online more in the future. 82% believe that and 65% also believe this experience will have a negative impact on Generation Alpha's mental health. So there are some challenges there, but another area we looked at is around resilience. Mm. And you know, we found that 78% of Australians actually think COVID-19 will mean children of today are more resilient. And so for many Gen Alphas and even Gen Zs, this is the first crisis of this kind. Older generations have lived through some other restrictions around world wars and recessions and global financial crises, but for many, this is the first time. So they will remember this experience and, you know, they may not remember a lot of specifics about coronavirus, but they'll remember how their family home felt. So it is an opportunity, I think, for us to wire this next generation for resilience and use it as a teaching and a learning opportunity about seasons in life and how there's winters and there's summers, not just in the physical world, but, you know, financially and economically, and, and we might be coming into a winter because of this, and that's okay. And so I think, yeah, there's definitely some ways it's going to impact them around education, around family time as well, in terms of parents who might be used to traveling or going out and have been homebound over the last few months. So the, the increase in family time there, the return to the simple life. So some lots of different avenues and, and perspectives, but I think most Australians are in agreement or the Australians we surveyed, the adults we surveyed in Australia who said, you know, 84% said that it will significantly shape them. So it's definitely going to stand to have an impact on Gen Alpha. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's just, as you mentioned, that break to the normal, that normal every day. And that in itself has caused some creative thinking, if you like, adaptability, flexibility, new ways of solving problems. You know, I know everyone will have experienced things very individually, but within that, personally, I found that there were some wonderful opportunities to be able to, as a family, kind of just go, okay, well, we can't do this. So, and then kind of let's get our creative thinking caps on and, you know, just look at ways, as you mentioned, that looking at that resilience angle, what do we do in situations where we do need to problem solve, where we can't do what we're used to doing? So I guess those kinds of things were just, I guess, gently or not so gently brought into our lives, weren't they? And changed our every day. And of course, there is that other side where there still is actually you know, a lot of support, a lot of nurture and a lot of communication that is still going on with families with children to help process and understand all the changes and even getting back to the normal, you know, that in itself is a, can be a big transition for some kids. So yeah, it certainly, it certainly does have those shaping features and characteristics. Let's hope for the better, hey? So what do you think Generation Alpha's expectations of the world. You kind of touched on they're going to expect to be able to have a bit of flexibility with the workplace. 
what are some other expectations you think they'll have of the world? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think for for Generation Alpha, the, the fact that they've been shaped in this really digital world is changing their expectations of so many things, of information and how that's delivered. So as I mentioned, the very visual generation expecting really short, sharp, engaging content because that's sort of all they've ever known. We often use this sort of acronym in a lot of presentations I deliver to sort of communicate these shorter attention spans and the expectation that these generations have. And it extends to Gen Z too, I think. And to be honest, maybe all of us, it's, it's what this acronym is called TLDR, too long, didn't read. And that's this idea that we all expect information to be short, sharp, engaging. And if there's a really long document, too wordy, it's like, no, I can't be bothered. I'm not going to engage with that. A lot of the writers and authors and, and uh, yeah, we're kind of going, oh, alarm bells. And even those that work with kids and we're struggling sometimes with kids and their attention spans, Ashley. So, yeah, I heard the, the TLDR and I had this quiet internal concern, like, what is this saying about our attention spans? And look, we see it with adults as well. I mean, society is shaped around that. Okay, you've got to have a, you know, an amazing subject line in your email so they don't just press delete. Like there's all these ways that we're trying to, I guess, um, you know, compete for attention, if you like, and retain attention. This could be out of your scope, Ashley, but have you got any thought around that? I mean, this is my personal opinion. I'm kind of going, I definitely see it, that there is that shorter attention span. Oh, that's too long. Didn't read it because it was too long. What does that say? What does that say in the broader sense? And what does it say to you? And this could be an opinion from you as opposed to a research-based answer. I don't know, but you can tell us what your thoughts are. Yeah, it's, it's such a good question. And so many organizations are asking that, not even talking about Gen Alpha, like you mentioned, just in general. How do we get cut through? How do we make an impact with our messaging and in this information overload and, and message saturation world that we all live in? And as a communications professional, that's something I'm constantly evaluating from a crindle and, and our content and our data. And I think for me, and some of the research we've conducted It's all about, I think, the storytelling aspect. So I love this quote from Seth Godin who said, marketing is no longer about the stuff that you make but about the stories that you tell. And I think the art of storytelling is a way that we can cut through that noise. It does mean that we have to work harder as communicators, as authors, as writers, as researchers because we can't just command that attention anymore. There's like these little computers, these mobile phones that we all carry around with us just provide ample amounts of other options to zone out or or switch off. I know for me as a a keynote speaker, that's really important as well. How do I get that cut through and tell that story? So I think storytelling, telling stories with authenticity as well and being real. Yes, these emerging generations are different, but they're still human beings at the heart of it. I, I love that Dr. Seuss quote, you know, a person's a person no matter how small. And these emerging generations, there are these timeless needs of belonging, connection, acceptance that don't change even though they're they're growing up in a very different context in a different world. I think the other thing I would say, and this errs a little bit into the personal opinion aspect, but I think it's backed up by a lot of what I've read and researched is, yes, these emerging generations and all of us have shorter attention spans. There's the TLDR challenge, but we don't want to always just succumb to that. And we do need to teach these emerging generations a bit of discipline around 
Sometimes you do need to sift through the papers, you need to do the research. And that's for a lot of educators that I've worked with and that we've researched saying we almost need to teach kids how to do research properly because of the fake news and the multiple sources and the Wikipedia research content where anyone can be a contributor. So there's an element there, I think, where it's a teaching opportunity, it's a learning opportunity, but I still think we do need to work hard at making our content really engaging crafting the story. And if you're a writer, that's what you are. You're a storyteller. So making sure that we're able to do that in effective ways to help this next generation engage with really important data or messaging, whatever that might look like. Absolutely. And there's a couple of things within that. You mentioned that skill of, I guess, critical analysis and thinking, and that's very important. And I guess that would flow into, you know, some of the educational goals and objectives. And then there's that important element of connection human connection, which I'm quite big on. And when you're considering parents, carers, professionals that are working with children, I think that, you know, there is a a continued element of bringing up or drawing, I guess, boundaries to allow for a little bit of balance between, you know, ensuring there is some quality human connection time. So that is obviously one of the big areas that particularly for their younger years, is very much a big priority, but does continue to be a challenge. Definitely, definitely. So leading into the education world, I would love to know a little bit about, and again, as a parent, as a professional working with kids, we're kind of thinking, what do we need to equip our kids with to prepare them for their future? But also, obviously, they're here and now. What are the top skills, do you think, that we need to instill? Yeah, it's a really important question that I know many parents are asking and educators who are in that really important work and role of equipping the next generation with those skills that can take them through that multiple career, multiple uh, job life that they're going to lead. And even in a very uncertain future, the World Economic Forum predicts that 65% of children entering primary school today will ultimately end up working in completely new job types that don't yet exist. So we're preparing these students and these kids for a really unknown world. So that's challenging in and of itself. But there is some great research that exists around the need for equipping the next generation with what is called transferable skills. So because they're going to have multiple jobs and careers skills that they can transfer and apply across different disciplines and industries and sectors. And further to that, we've done some research and it builds on some global research about the different literacies that kids need today. So oftentimes, I guess more traditional forms of education rely on the foundational literacies of literacy, numeracy, like scientific literacy, ICT, computer literacy, financial and cultural and civic literacy. And it's basically exploring how students apply core skills to everyday tasks, which is really important. But we're also looking at moving beyond that now, I think, towards the competencies. So effectively, how students approach complex tasks. So as you mentioned, Sonia, the critical thinking or the problem solving, the creativity, the communication, the collaboration. Can you work well with others? Can you relate to other people? Can you think creatively outside the box? And I think that area also lends itself to more machine-assisted work because what happens is with automation, it's an artificial intelligence can just replicate things, but it's that creative thinking, the intuitiveness, that uniquely human skills that are going to be more in demand in the future, I think, in more machine-assisted workplaces. 
So that's the competencies. But we're also seeing a shift as well towards the character qualities. So how students approach their changing environment. So it's the ability to be curious, to take initiative, to have that persistence or grit, the resilience, the adaptability, the leadership skills and the social and cultural awareness. So there's some of the they mentioned a lot there and they're sort of in three categories, the foundational literacies, the competencies and the character qualities. And I think developing a breadth of skill and skills that can be transferable across different industries is really key. And it's certainly challenging, especially for the alphas, like you said, who are really young ones, those in you know, under five or even in, in primary school today around the tension for parents and for educators going, I want my child and these children and this next generation to be equipped with digital skills, but we want them to have free play. We want them to have time away from screens and interpersonal communication. So I think it's definitely a combination of those skills, the digital skills, but also the off-screen skills that we know, particularly older generations and grandparents are really great at helping and instilling because that's the world they grew up in. So how we can draw on the trends of the different generations in our families and our communities and those transferable skills, I think, are going to be really key. Yeah, that's amazing. And look, there's a lot of skills there, but when you think about the future in that way, it makes sense that you've got to have some of those broad skills, but that flexibility and the adaptability. And this year's probably been, you know, a good sample where we've just kind of gone, okay, here starts our little, you know, our short course with potential long-term effects, but here we go in terms of at least introducing some of those skills. And I think one of them, curiosity, I really like that one because that brings with it so much learning, doesn't it? And being able to facilitate that as parents and educators, facilitating the curiosity. And the other one, I think, and I'm sorry if I missed it in your list, Ashley, but in listening to it all, what came to my mind was how we instill, as parents and carers and educators, how we instill a positive mindset, a positive self-belief. And I guess that ability to, I think you did mention, persevere, keep going, you know, don't give up. You know, if you don't quite understand something quite right, what do you do next? And I see that as quite huge, you know, with a lot of the kids that I've worked with over the years is often to get to the learning of, you know, okay, if I want to teach you math, before we even get there, I've got to make sure that you're actually open to learning. And you're okay with giving things a go. And often that they're the big kind of mindset things we want to facilitate. Is that some of the stuff that comes up in your research as well? Absolutely. And I think, as you mentioned, what we've seen in this research, in our own research and other research that we've scoped out is the need for kids today to be lifelong learners because that's it. it's that continual and it's a reshift, I think, as reframing and shifting our perspective that you just partake in education before you enter the workforce and then that education will suffice for the rest of your working life. Yeah. That's because the world of work is changing, the nature of the work is changing, the jobs that we're doing, how we do the work, where we do the work, when we do the work. And so it's not even just Gen Alpha, it's not just the school leaver or you know young people, it's all of us need to continually be upskilling and retraining. And so that really does stem from that love of learning and being okay to go, okay, I don't know that. I might not be equipped in that, but I can easily do a short course and upskill. And it's so accessible today with online learning and and the ability to work and learn from anywhere as COVID's taught us all. So yeah, like you said, Sonia, it really is that perseverance. You don't know the answer. Okay, let's try something else. The resilience, the adaptability, that curiosity and the the ability to be a lifelong learner is going to be, I think, really important to instill in, in Gen Alpha. 
Absolutely. And I think one thing I do want to insert here is sometimes, and I'm speaking again from personal experience, when my kids might say, oh, you know, they assume like, I know everything. You know, sometimes kids assume that adults in their life know everything. And I quite am quite honest with them. And I'm like, you know what? I actually don't know everything. And I'm pretty sure I'm not the only parent that goes, let's Google that, (laughs) you know, and be okay with, often I'll say, you know what? I'm learning as I go with some things and I'm learning from you too, which I do. You know, adults do learn from kids. And I think it's great to be able to verbalize that to kids because that in itself is modeling to them that we're always learning. As you said, we're lifelong learners. Even when you're an adult, you're still learning stuff. You know, you don't necessarily reach that. I've got it now, got it all, got all my learning, off we go. And I think if they feel that it's just a continual process, then they're more accepting. That's my vibe anyway. But yeah, feel free to make any comments on that one, Ashley. Yeah, I totally agree. And in terms of, you know, connecting and engaging with Gen Alpha, that authenticity and also that vulnerability is also really important when you're honest with, with kids, obviously appropriate and, and you know, context uh, specific. But in terms of being open and honest and saying, yeah, I don't know the answer, but let's figure it out together or I'm invested and I'm committed to finding that out. Let's do that together. So that's teaching them lessons in in resilience, in being curious. And of course, that vulnerability, there's been a lot of work, especially by Brene Brown around that's also a way to, to cut through that message saturation, that noise. And it, again, I think it plays really well and accompanies that aspect of storytelling in terms of connecting with this next generation. When we have that false pretense that we feel like they have to think we know it all, then sometimes that can be harder to connect with them. But if we are vulnerable um, in the right different circumstances, then I think that can also help them to know that we care about them, we can connect with them, we can help them. It helps us to connect and break down some of those barriers that might exist between different generations or people of different ages. Yeah, fantastic. And I mean, that connection, as we've mentioned, is already so important that people from different generations, they want to be able to connect with other generations, obviously. And I think that's an important one. And it's just brought to mind, you also mentioned about, you know, Gen Alpha and that format of working more collaboratively. And I feel like that's, you know, happening in a lot of classrooms and probably in a lot of households. And I know I do look for little opportunities where, you know, how can we collaboratively do something? in the home, whether it's something really basic, like there's a problem going on, whatever that is, could be something simple that might come up at home. And it could be just that daily opportunity to just go, okay, even though I might know how to fix it and what to do about it, I don't just do it. I just take a step back and just go, oh, we have a problem. Let's say, for example, I don't know, I've dropped a packet of rice on the floor. Oh, problem, rice is on the floor. What am I going to do next? I could you know, get the dustpan and broom, I could get the vacuum cleaner and kind of doing that thinking out loud and inviting kids to come on in and just go, what do we do guys? I think sometimes making the most of those little opportunities can really be quite valuable in the day to day. Because when we talk about some of this big stuff, Ashley, it sounds really big. And as a parent, you're going, oh my gosh, how do I do that? But I think there are some lovely small ways that just come up in the everyday that we can just make the most of those little opportunities. Is that something you feel comes up in your discussions too? Yeah, absolutely. And you're right, Sonia, these are big ideas, big concepts. And a lot of the realm that we operate in is the theory and the data and the research. But of course, that does need to translate, especially when we're talking about 
young kids into those little life lessons and those moments that happen organically at home, in the classroom, opportunities to teach and to help kids to know that it's a safe place to make mistakes. And I think that's another huge thing that's come out of different research I've read and even in organisations, the ability to fail directly leads to the ability to innovate and that's really key for organisations and personal success. So as long as we can, you know, have moments where we can teach and and bring kids into the conversation, help them to come up with a solution, um, help them to contribute something and collaborate, it's going to be really key and making sure that they know it's okay, you know, to fail, that we can try again and do things in different ways is really key to their development. And I think those, not only their development into a young child or a young adult or whatever stage they're in, but also to a, a citizen of this world that can contribute to this very changing world where we need to be innovative, responsive and collaborative because everything's changing around us so quickly as we've all experienced over the last few months. So, yeah, it does really start in, in the home and for those little moments with parents and with aunties and uncles and, and people who are loving and, and caring for these young kids. Absolutely. I like that. And providing, as you importantly said, a safe space, a safe space to make mistakes, to not be reprimanded and judged and that kind of thing, to just give them that space to learn, I guess. So, yeah, amazing. So, Ashley, Tell us what is, just to kind of wrap things up, what's your take-home message to parents, to carers and to educators who have or are working with Generation Alpha Kids? I think my key message is just to take the time to understand them. And for many parents and leaders, you know, one of the biggest mistakes I think we can make is to just think that this generation of kids and young people are just the same as, as every other generation gone before. And When we actually stop and and look at the world around us and the changes that are impacting this generation, the technologies, it's quite a different world to the world that we knew as kids. And although there are, of course, there are some key timeless human needs and ways of connecting that's really important to maintain over time, there are also things that we need to sort of adjust and respond to. And I think that's really key for this next generation. And just knowing that as much as they're growing up with some challenges with technology, they're also, we believe that they're really well positioned to thrive this next generation. And we often say that, you know, there might be a reaction to the technologies and, and the Gen Zs who went before, who were part of this sort of unintended global experiment. Whereas Generation Alpha are coming of age with these older siblings, with these technologies. And so I think it's a real opportunity and a really great outlook for them. And I hope that's encouraging for people because oftentimes our research even suggests a lot of parents think being a kid today is a lot worse than it was. But I actually think there's real hope for this next generation and we have a real opportunity at this point in history to really help them and help them to thrive. And parents and leaders and educators just already be encouraged to do that. You know, you're doing that really well. Our research suggests that as long as we're sort of adapting and changing and perhaps just small modifications as to how we teach and lead this next generation, then we can really help them to thrive in the future. Wonderful. Ashley, I'm so appreciative that you joined me for the chat about Generation Alpha today. You've been amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Sonia. Super insightful chat there with Ashley Fell about Generation Alpha. There were definitely some points of reflection there, lots of valuable theory points that we need to, I guess, as parents, carers and professionals working with children, that we'd want to look at how do we bridge some of that into our everyday, into our everyday workplace, into our everyday at home, because ultimately we are wanting to nurture children who are resilient, who are 
able to thrive in an ever-changing world. And as we did touch on in that episode, to really create that mindset of lifelong learning and, uh, and resilience. So we can only do our best. So thank you again to Ashley from McCrindle Research. Now, if you have enjoyed today's episode and you know of someone who will benefit from the information presented, I do encourage you to please share it with your family, with friends and with colleagues. If you haven't already done so, please do leave a rating and a review for the Chat About Children podcast. And of course, you can access show notes at chataboutchildren.com. Thank you so much for your attention today. I celebrate you and I look forward to chatting soon. Thanks for joining the Chat About Children with Sonia Vestalich, www.chataboutchildren.com. Okay.